Mr. Pop. Who did the voice of Ringo for the Beatles thing? Was it Thomas the Tank Engine? This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. Have you got everything you need? Well, I've got a beer. I've got. I've written me songs out, so I don't see I'll need much more than that. Okay. Well, if you've got everything you need, uh, uh, Mark, have you got everything you need? Oh yes, Kevin. Okay, fine. Well, then, then officially, let's say we've started. Welcome to Rock and Roll, Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix, Mark Fine. That's the lineup. But look, I'm in shock. I'm in. I know this isn't a visual um, medium that we do each week with Rock and Roll, but. Brian's sitting there at the moment swigging on a beer. I'm just sitting here in my little back room. Uh, and Mark Fine looks like something out of a um, a Hugh Hefner calendar shoot from 1977. Please explain, as that woman once famously said. Well, Annette and I occasionally go away to hotels on the week. You know, <laughs> stay, stay in the city or whatever. Oh. And we stayed at the QT Hotel in what's town. That, what's that stand for? I don't know. It's a very nice queer, hotel. Queer time. <laughs> <laughs> nice quiz time. Uh, um, question time and, would be more like it. I would have thought. <laughs> and I enjoyed, you know, how hotels have dressing gowns, and I yeah, like theirs. Big fluffy ones. I love them. And I'm saying this is a big, heavy, nice one. Yeah. Really nice. Hey, hang on. You so, steal it. No, I didn't purloin it. I purchased it. Oh, okay. And uh, they charge like wounded bulls when you buy yeah, one of those. Yeah, they're 170 bucks. Oh. Well, I won't, I, then I won't ask how things are going at Lenny's Fine Foods because they're obviously going really well. Well, yes, you can spend that on a pillow. No, it's not a pillow, is it? <laughs> it's a. Um, if you break the pillows, you pay for them. It's a, <laughs> it's a dressing gown. Very good. Anyhow, we've got more important things to talk about. Hang on, but hang on. Uh, I, I'm you, you got the the lovely um, uh, robe on. I yeah. uh, and I remember it was. I'm sure it was last week's program. You were getting another tat done. Oh, uh, yeah. Did you get that done well, this week? I got to be careful. Well, I thought you. Were, I thought you were unveiling. I thought that's why you were lying on the bed in your bloody robe. I thought he's going to unveil. Yeah, yeah. I can have a look at it. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, that's good. I like that. Can you see oh, it? Oh, yeah. It's a bit blurry when you go back a little bit. There you go. I'm careful. My old fella's about to fall out. <laughs> Sorry, was that you or Brian? Um, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, you have got another one done. The, well, good, is, the good thing is I'm getting another one on Thursday. So oh, can... goodness me. Oh, uh, well, look, I'm not a kid. Time's not on my side. If I want to get... If I want to get everything I'm going to get, I'm just going to get them. Fair enough. How many are you what going did you to say get? Harry Muff. <laughs> How did you know I was going to get that? <laughs> it seems to be it seems to be making a comeback. I'm told. Um, <laughs> oh, don't, Brian. Jeez. It, no, well, it is. It is. It is. It is. And so it should. Yeah, I never thought players would come back here, but they did. <laughs> And so it's of no surprise to me that a um, little bit of curlies on the uh, thing of making a comeback. Thank you, Dr. Yeah, I like Mannix. it. Thank you, Dr. Yeah, I think, I think they should be Hang making on. a comeback. I could, I could ask several questions on that 
uh, particular front, but I'll let it go. I'll let it. I'm a I'm a big fan through. of the I'm a big fan of the Morellas. <laughs> the Morella jubes, right? I just got it. <laughs> <laughs> I think they could make a semi comeback. That could keep on. I just made that one up. That Morellas. Could on. The Morellas. Oh, <laughs> well, we got we got we got a million ads on television now with blokes uh, buying like what uh, they're actually calling it. I think the lawnmower. Which is the shaver that you use to shave, obviously your nether regions. Um, mm. So that's a that's a massively big. Uh, Max Gorn and a whole stack of people are doing ads on television for these razors that you now buy to shave your nether regions. I, I always had a saying. You know what? I, I, oh, the only thing good. I'd shave my balls with would be a beach, a, a, a beach ball. <laughs> what? That's that's the sharpest thing I'd shave my balls with. Right. Would be a beach ball. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I think you're prone for an accident when you start. You know, maybe with the razor it's all right, but you start hacking around with scissors down there, and all things can go awfully wrong very quickly. Oh God! I mean, <laughs> Is that right, Doctor Manix? <laughs> I um, I, 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 I always thought it I was a pair of scissors if, once. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Got, got a little bit. Caught in the scissors and not the uh, the bit we wanted to remove. We, we almost removed a bit that is vital. Oh, you don't want to do that unless you unless you're Jewish and it's your eighth day. Geez, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the quality of this podcast this week has started well, don't you? Well, think? I've <laughs> always thought. I've always, you know what? Ever oh, since yes. men have started manscaping, which has been around for a while, don't worry about that. Yeah, oh, hey. yeah, I love it. I always wondered whether Norman Gunston's balls would have a couple of those little bits of paper on. <laughs> uh, very good. <laughs> well, the, the thing about it is if you keep the lawn trim, the trees look bigger. You know what? Oh. I read that. I, I read that. As, as a youngster, I was a voracious reader of porn. <laughs> now, <laughs> a lot of people say porn's more visual than red. Oh, but do they? <laughs> But I don't know if you remember this. Like the the poor man's red perversion as a kid was heart balm in truth, right? Oh, fantastic! You loved it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I I spent my teenage years fixated on two things: girls' boobs and what's a divan, <laughs> <laughs> because I, you know. <laughs> It, they always ended up on a divan, and I didn't know what it was. <laughs> um, oh God! Yes, but um, oh, dearie me, how did those heart bomb stories always start? But you know, they were written by two fifty-year-old blokes in the back of yeah, the yeah, yeah. truth in, in, in the smoker <laughs> room of truth, going, "Hey, let's write the bit about where she gets and she goes over and she does it." But they normally start off with something like. Mr. X writes, <laughs> a, few a few weeks ago I went over to visit my girlfriend, but she wasn't home. Her yeah. flatmate, her flat late me let me in and offered me a drink. After a few drinks we became quite relaxed. One thing led to another and now she's pregnant. Should I tell my girlfriend what should I do? <laughs> no, they're more stories, but they were they used to have great euphemisms. Like they didn't they couldn't actually say fing or you know, dicks or whatever. So, so there were things like um, she accidentally brushed against my manhood. Yes, eighteen times. 
with her mouth <laughs> on the divan. <laughs> oh, hang on. Anyhow, yeah, this is another podcast. I like this. Keep going. Anyhow, that that was like the poor man's sort of, you know, literature of youthful eroticism. Right. So, what but was the, the real, what was the upmarket one? What was the real one? Penthouse Forum, and written by Bettina Arndt. And you used to be able to buy a whole book just of the forum stories. Yeah. Which was, you know, that was good reading. Don't Well, it was a great read. I had to um, study it for HSC English Literature and um, I got a D. No. <laughs> <laughs> but but in, in Penthouse Forum. D-I-C-K. No, never mind. Yes. In Penthouse Forum, I read, and this was as a 16 year old, that the latest trend in America was to, um, as you suggested, mow the lawns to make to make the trees look bigger. Yeah. For people who can't work out what's going on, <laughs> which is Kevin, that means shave your, pu- <laughs> shave your pubes to make your cock look larger. <laughs> now, oh, oh, thanks, Footy. Now, it was a. Given that I was a late bloomer and I didn't start shaving till I was 14 or 15 mm. and the shaving equipment in, in my house was pretty rudimentary stuff, it was just a risk that I was not willing to take <laughs> And you're, for about three weeks. And how many children then, do you have? Four. You have four children. Thank you. Yeah. I, I mean, it was I just... Something's just too dangerous, like the whippersnapper. You don't want to try that. I really hurt myself with the whippersnapper. I use the whippersnapper on your your pubes. Yeah, it's just too dangerous. I hurt myself with the whippersnapper in the garden regularly. It's it's fucking lethal. (laughs) It is lethal, I'm telling you, because when when you've got too much feed, look, I've got to admit, and I've been told off many times, I often lawn mow and do the whippersnipper in thongs. No. No. Evil. Yeah. So I, I'm asking for trouble. You know this. the only but people anyhow. who do that? Queenslanders, because they don't actually own shoes of any description. Ah, oh, well. You know, the idea. That's the, true. Roughing it in Queensland is going barefoot, but, you know, and luxury is you put the good thongs on to do the. You're not putting the good thongs on to do the lawn, are you? Really? Seriously. <laughs> Jeez. Um, I tell you what. Like, I tell you what, there's some good thongs in the uh, chart tonight. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Brian. Uh, it's a good chart, 1964. It is the original yeah. and authentic survey of hit tunes from 6PR in Perth. Lovely. 6PR? Yeah. Yeah, what's 6PR in Perth? Yeah. Uh, no, it's a really interesting chart. There's some absolute stinkers in there, um, but they're not that bad. They're, they're bad songs and they're kitsch songs, but they're not they're not um, like some of the shit that we've played and talked about uh, from the nineties. Yeah, um, I had a bit of trouble finding the shit ones. There was there were kind of crappy ones, but yeah. I kind of found something cute about them. That's what um, I mean. They were kitsch. They had they had a like even though, and I you know without giving away well, well giving away one of the ones I've got in my um, the worst three. Um, she's a good singer and she sings it really well. And the, but the lyrics are just the most bizarre thing you've ever heard. And you go, what? But he talks like an angel. He's like, he's a kid in my arms. It's an awful lyric. It, but she sings it really well, even though it sounds like a bullfighter song halfway through. But 
it, there's something about it that's also likable. Yeah, I found that was a few. I, I had to go through quite a, fo- a few before I actually found some stinkers that I could honestly hate. And there's, you know, there's any number of Beatles songs in there or so- songs written by Beatles um, and and classic, you know, Chuck Berries and all sorts of things. I'll, I'll give you the top ten. We'll do the top ten first, then we'll get to some of the subjects of the week. Number ten is No Particular Place to Go by Chuck. Nine is Can't You See That She's Mine by the Dave Clark Five. Number eight is The Rise and Fall of Fingal Bunt by The Shadows. Interesting song, that one. Number seven, Long Tall Sally by The Beatles. Number six, You're My World, Scylla Black. Number five, Someone, Someone by Brian Poole and the Tremolos. Number four, Wishing and Hoping by Dusty Springfield. Three is House of the Rising Sun by The Animals. Two, Nobody I Know by Peter and Gordon. And number one, A Hard Day's Night by The Beatles. So Scylla Black matters. <laughs> no, she doesn't. Uh, so now we can get on to the news of the week. Yes, we can. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, is there something in particular you want to uh, bring up at the start, Mr. Fine? Yeah. I mean, look, I have sat back because I like Brian and I'm not Roman Connolly. I'm not going to jump down his neck politically. Mm. And oh. as I say, I, I consider myself sort of, you know, I am the I am the B in the LGBT of voters in that I'm I, I like it both ways. I can vote Labor. I can vote Liberal. I like some of their policies. You know, I'm not. I I sift through it, and I really, I really can vote for either party quite comfortably. Mm-hmm. But just, I mean, if if anybody, and I like Americans, I really do. I've got American family now through marriage, and I love going to America. They let you call the dogs. There, correct. I love going there. But the thing you don't like about Americans is when they, you know, they don't know any country outside of their own, and they're just these stifled, self-centered America, rah 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 America for the rest of the world. Like the superhuman, like monster of that personality is is Donald Trump. He's the 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 truth is he's the greatest wit that's ever had been in power anywhere. He's a fucking idiot. He he fucking only eats burgers and and <laughs> lollies. I mean he's just he's like a kid that was allowed to get away with absolutely everything. I don't want to eat vegetables. Good for the rest of your life. Eat like a fucking moron. Like he's a his diet is moronic. I mean he's just a wit. But he got well, his come up this week, so I'm glad. He's in a bit of bother now. Um, yeah, yeah. The guy in yeah. Florida is going to be the next Republican leader. Well, it looks that way. And Carrie Lake, who I really thought was a real contender, she didn't win. So, um, but I, I, I just was really shocked that um, the Democrats won so much because, and it turns out one of the the big issues and turning points was was the abortion issue, which. I didn't really understand that, but apparently some states could just ban abortion. So a lot of women just said, no, 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 because with the Roe versus Wade, everybody, you were allowed to get an abortion in any state. Didn't they, now, threw, they threw that out in a whole lot of states, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. So now, so now each state, like, you know, you live in Mississippi, you might not be able to get an abortion, so you've got to go to North Carolina or somewhere yeah. to get an abortion. 
Um, I didn't realise you thought it was up to each state what they wanted to do because some of, some of these people, you know, no restrictions on abortion, you know, you can have an abortion after, you know, right up till, you know, four weeks before the baby's due, which I think is insane. But, you know, I, I respect that every woman has a right to abortion, but I think, you know, 12 weeks after that, bad luck, too late. But, but you know, that was a really surprising uh, vote getter, which um, I just thought the economy and uh, inflation and the border was going to be the main issues. And, um, and I don't know, I just can't understand it. I thought they would shit it in. But anyway, now Trump has got the big announcement to make because he's thinking, oh, it'll be all red and all Republicans will win. Mm. And now it's sort of like, oh, geez, it's not really a good time to make the announcement, Donald. But, um, yeah, I think he could be in a bit of bother. It might be the start of the end of his political career. Did, did you hear, apparently, as he was watching the results, he just lost it? <laughs> yeah, I did hear that. And he's even blamed melan- melanoma, his wife, for, um, I think, Herschel Walker's defeat. But um, I don't know what melanoma did, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, very but, surprising. Yeah, you know, I just, I mean, I just don't. I just, <laughs> all right, you've got to read, the, have you read the book about Donald Trump the golfer? Oh, he's a, he's a chronic cheat. Yeah. So there's this great story that he was playing with a this billionaire executive and the, the executive brought his son along and they were playing and they hit to this green. It was a par three and Donald Trump always has a cart, so he drove up there first and he was just off the green, but he saw that the kid his ball was like three foot from the hole and he couldn't bear the idea of the kid hitting it so close when he was off the green. Mm-hmm. And this is his bodyguard that tells the story. So the bodyguard was driving and he just tells him to drive on the green and without getting out of the cart, he kicks the ball into the bunker. The leather wedge. <laughs> yeah, but not his own ball. He kicks the kid's <laughs> ball off the green into the bunker. Uh, that's a special kind of human. Yeah. I mean... Part of that book actually defends him, the way he plays golf, because he he's played with like it's been awkward because he's played with he played with like these guys on the PGA Tour, and they had to cheat because that's the way he played. <laughs> now, if any golfer on the PGA Tour, there's if there's rumours of them cheating, even in a social game, it can scar them for life. Oh, absolutely, VJ Singh, a whole stack VJ of those blokes. Singh, yep. um, who's the guy now that? You know, it was only a minor, minor matter. Patrick Reed, but yeah, Patrick Reed. Yeah. <laughs> so he was playing with like, I think Dustin Johnson, or one of the best players in the world, and and he was constantly cheating. But they were paired up together, and and Dustin Johnson was completely f-ing paralyzed with fear that <laughs> it would get out. <laughs> and the, you know, but what do you say to the president of the United States who's cheating? You can't. You're not in a position no, to call him out, really, are you? It, it just sort of happened. Yeah. But at the end, and this is where they defend Trump a bit, he said, look, it just makes golf more fun not having to hit out of the rough and whatever. Just kick it back in the fairway. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean. Well, you played with you, 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 We've you, all played with blokes who, who you know, you, you at the end of the thing, you'll get to the end of the hole and they'll go, oh, I've had a seven. And you write down a seven. What do you have? You go, oh, I had a, I had a five. You go, 
had more friggin' shots than I had. Surely you didn't have a five. Are you sure you had a five? No, I had a five, mate. Oh, okay, put a five down. There you go. I played with my my best mate, one of my best mates, off a big off. He loves more than him loving playing well. He loves when you go badly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a couple of those. Ones. And if you get to a hole, once you get to number eight, he starts yelling out footballers' numbers. Brad Croswell. <laughs> he was like no. Carl Dittering. Like number ten. <laughs> then he. His favourite, his favourite ever. I got stuck in a bunker once, and he started chanting, "Mill Hanna, Mill Hanna." <laughs> uh, very, yeah, nice. very nice, very nice indeed. I played golf with a mate of mine oh, a few years ago, and he was playing really, really well. So I pulled out a joint and got him to have <laughs> the joint, and and he got really, really stoned. And then I'm giving him the worst advice ever. I'm saying, now, come on, what you need to do is smash that little ball as hard as you can, <laughs> hard as you can. It, it's laughing at you. It thinks you're a joke. Smash it. And then he, he stupidly started trying to smash it. Then he just went terrible. The game was, yeah, I caught right up. <laughs> the tactic not used on the PGA Tour for some reason. Can't understand why. Actually, I heard years ago that a lot of them do get stoned before they play because you want to be really calm and, you know, you wouldn't have a line of cocaine or something like that. Oh, there was, a lot of, there was apparently a lot of that at one stage on the PGA Dustin Tour. Johnson. <laughs> yeah, hello. <laughs> really? Well, it's only when he, you know, when he sort of faced up to it, admitted it, and that his career, he became number one in the world. Yeah, he did too. And well, he's, he's doing And he's, he's married he's to playing. Wayne Gretzky's daughter or something, isn't he? I think. Yeah, something like that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you don't want to see her when she takes the helmet off. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, his his career went through the roof after he, he got over all that. He got a ban. He got banned for so was it six months or twelve months or something? I think at one stage. Yeah, he got banned. Yeah, yeah. They paid. He paid the price for what he did. They reckon yeah. Vetus Gerulitis used to have cocaine in his wristband, so he could sort of have a little. Yeah, that was the rumor, and then the he day. died. He died young, and everybody. Was it Vetus Gerulitis or Guillermo Vilas? No, Vetus. No, Vetus Gerulitis. Yeah, it was yeah Vetus. I thought it was Vetus, yeah. Vetus was the rock star one. Guillermo was the, uh, wasn't he the South American one with the big- Argentinian, good looking. Yeah, with the black uh, headband. He wore the he black. feeler. Yeah. So I reckon, I reckon you could play golf pretty good if you're a bit stoned. Oh, you could not. Yeah, because you're calm and you're just relaxed. And, you could putt well. And, you couldn't and, drive. You've got and, no power. No, yeah. So on the you're on the tee. Pass me the coke. You get to the you get to the green. Pass me the pot. Yeah, yeah. you'd be passed out by the first. <laughs> yeah, he's five under, but he's he's unconscious. But a lot of a lot of people play pool better when they had a few drinks. Yeah, and the darts the darts guys they won't even play unless they've got a point, will they? Oh, no, that's that's the olden days. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, the the golfers and all them. But was a bet, is it better blockers or beta blockers or do they call them? That's yeah, yeah. the thing they take for putting because yeah, that's right. It calms them. It calms them down so as they they don't get all bloody you know tense and jittery and stuff. It just it calms yeah. the body down and they're able to putt more fluidly apparently. But they yeah. they, they found out about them. Find out about mm. all these drug cheats at some stage. Now, few um a few quite a few actually in the old. Uh, Black armband stakes uh, today before we talk about the cricket and a few other things. 
Um, Australian actor Martin Vaughan, remember him from Power That Glory? Great actor. He passed away this week at 91. David English. Now, I wasn't aware of this bloke's um, uh, sort of uh, the the English cricket team wore black armbands for him in the final on the weekend because a mark of respect to him. And I saw Ian Botham put a big, uh, big social media post up about him recently. David English, uh, who apparently is one of the, the big wheels of English cricket. Uh, Keith Levine, do you know him, uh, Mano? The guitarist with The Clash and with Public Image Limited, he died. Oh, no, I didn't 65. know that. Um, oh, okay, it's sad. Dan McCafferty, the lead singer of Nazareth, who had that terrific version of Love Hurts, he died. He was oh, yeah, 76. Yeah, really good singer. Gary Roberts, the uh, Boomtown Rats guitarist, he died. He was 72. Oh, I love the Boomtown Rats. Do you really? Oh, yeah, I... You know, I got uh, into their albums, you know, when I was in, doing my punk stage, long before they wrote, you know, Diamond Eyes and um, I Don't Like Mondays. Yeah. They were, they were just a real good trashy punk band. They had a, was and, there, they have a song called Rat Trap or something? It was a, a Rat Trap. Good song. Looking, I remember that. Look, looking after number one, it's just. Oh, I remember that too. That yeah, lots of, lots of energy, you know. They're there for the vibe and the energy, not so much for the technique, but, gee, it works. But, yeah, yeah no, so I'm very You know what I say that. about looking out for number one? Yeah, go on. You'll end up stepping in number two. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and Leslie Phillips passed away at the age of 98. Wow, good career. Yep. Uh, the Carry On movies, of course, where he was the uh, sort of, uh, I guess he was the fruity kind of, um, he was a leading man, but he was the he was uh, a- the red, the sort of red blondish hair, sort of English, like a Hugh Grant type fop type. Sort of a. A B grade David Niven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good and yeah, very good. Like a blondie David Niven. Exact. That's a. Yeah. That's brilliant. And he was in the Harry Potter films too, apparently, which I've never seen, but he was in those too. But ninety eight. Well, I tell you what, too. bit of an achievement for me this week. What did you do? No, I didn't do anything. Oh. I consider myself a trivia buff, and people reckon I'd be handy on the local trivia team. I did mm-hmm. not know one of those f***ing names that you just read out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, i got one more. Peter Reith, the Australian politician, died at the age of 72. Oh, well, there's one. There there's you go. One you got one. You got one. Yeah. I thought you might have known David English. I, I, it's not a name I'm aware of. He's a filmmaker. He was involved in A Bridge Too Far, that, that movie, that epic film. Um, yeah, great film. With uh, David Lynch. Was that a David Lynch film? I don't know who made yeah. it. Um, but he was uh, involved Ryan, in that. Brian O'Neill, Robert Redford. It was it was like a follow up to um, the longest day, um, written by the same guy. The book where they just interview all the people doing in this particular mission and they show their stories with actors. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, no, it's a great film. Um, I think Gene Hackman might be in it. Um, oh, Gene Hackman's and, a great actor. And um, you know the Rollerboy girl, Khan. James Khan was in it. Oh, right. Yeah, it's had a super cast. Um, so he was involved in that, and then. The, the stuff that Ian Botham put up today on social media uh, has got uh, photos of uh, this David English giving an award to Botham, which looks like uh, one of those uh, Wisdom Awards, um, and a photo of him with uh, with Botham and with um, uh, Viv Richards and a few other people. So, yeah, so he obviously was a uh, quite a, a figure in English cricket because that's why they wore the black armbands at the final on uh, on Sunday night. Now, speaking of that final, uh, England won, of course, the T20 World Cup. Deservedly so. They were the best team in the competition. Probably the Indians were a bit stiff not to be in the final, but anyway. How does Sam Curran win player of the tournament? So player of the whole series. 
not just he won the player of the match in the final, but he's player of the whole series and he doesn't make it into the team of the tournament. Are you kidding? No, I'm not. I haven't well, seen the it. team. I, know, I believe Marcus Stoinis made it. Now, how Marcus Stoinis makes it ahead of Sam Curran, given what Sam Curran did during the, the thing, is a- absolutely beyond me. There must be a popular vote. No, there was a popularity vote in the man of the tour- player of the tournament. There was a, a small uh, percentage of the vote was given to a public vote. But uh, if that had been the case, you would have thought if the public had a really big seed in that voting, that Virat Kohli with the Indians voting, because it was an ICC vote thing, not just an Australian thing, that Virat Kohli probably yeah. would have won it or maybe even Josh Butler who's got a truckload of runs. But, yeah, no, he won it and then he's not in the team of the tournament. So. Well, that doesn't make sense. That bewilders me. Now, Brian, a bit of footy news around. I want to know. Oh, just on the cricket, I did yeah. a bit of a faux pas on the weekend. What would you do? Uh Yep. Actually, had a good weekend, but had a party on Saturday night, hopping in the cab afterwards, made my assumptions, like being friendly with the taxi driver. Uh-oh. And I said, because um, I heard him speaking on his mm-hmm. right telephone, as they do, mm-hmm. I said, bad luck about the cricket. You must be disappointed to not make the final. And he said, well, don't, we were not expecting to make the final. I said, really? You were favourites? He goes, I'm Bangladeshi. <laughs> <laughs> so we did the conversation. Yes, I would have thought you would, because there's no there's no getting out of that then when you've done that, is there? There's no, oh, yeah. sorry, I thought you were, because no, because once you say I thought you were Indian or I thought you were Sri Lankan or I thought you were Pakistani, yeah. no. Nah. Because at first I said, do you follow the cricket? Loving the I love the cricket, love it. <laughs> and as soon as I, you immediately think they're Indian because they love the cricket so much. Yep. Bangladeshi. Yeah. There you go. Now, Mannix, mm-hmm. your football club. Uh, what yes. is going on? Anthony McDonald Tippin Woody is leaves football, emotional farewell, can't do it anymore, goes home to uh, the, the NT. Then starts to be little rumours that, you know, he might be interested and maybe go back and play with the Dockers or uh, mm. the West Coast Eagles and go over there and play over there. He's back at Essendon. Yeah. Um, How does that happen? You know, well, I, I guess it's twofold. Like somebody told me that he was on 600,000, which I think is outrageous. Um because, you know, he's a good player, but he's not a $600,000 player. No, no <laughs> when, the, when the average salary is three hundred or 400000 he probably well, is a $600,000 player. Well, I thought he was about three or 400000 Apparently he's on 400000 for 12 months. And, you know, whether he gets back or not is another thing. But if his head's right, he might. But I, I was thinking, oh, you know, this is a bit of a backward step for the Bombers. But I thought about it a bit more and I thought, well, Tip and Woody, he sells the most merchandise from the bomber shop out of all of the players because, you know. Well, he's got a part-time job. (laughs) No, no, no. no. A little side hustle. Look, you know, he looks like a superhero. He looks like, you know, you've got Captain America, Iron Man, Hulk, and Tip and Woody, and he wouldn't look out of place at all. (laughs) And and also, too, I think you probably pull, you know, um, quite a few extra members. So I kind of think that he'll just about pay for himself just through merchandise and um, membership. So, you know, it's a risk, it's a chance, but, um, 
if you can get him back into form, well, you know, great, come back. I love him. Yeah, okay. A uh, betting scandal today or a story that's uh, broken today, I think uh, it was broken this morning, uh, that there's some irregularities and four people have been arrested um, today and uh, facing charges. Um, Do we know who are implicated? Yeah, and and I was the point I was going to make is the four people have been uh, arrested. I was just reading the story on one of the uh, online uh, newspaper sites, and it names the umpire, but it doesn't name the other three blokes. Now, how is that in any way, any form of justice for any of those four people? They've named the umpire who was questioned and released, <clears throat> but is facing charges. Sorry for coughing. Um. Uh, but they haven't named the other three blokes. They've said, you know, it's a 25-year-old from Glenroy and it's a, you know, 51-year-old from uh, uh, South Yarra, all that sort of stuff. But they haven't named them, but they've named the umpire. That's not oh. fair. Well. No, completely wrong. Who was the umpire? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not naming him here. I'm going to do what the age do. So the Herald Sun name him and the age go, we've decided we're not going to name him. And what are his initials? <laughs> uh, WM. WM? Yeah. That's, his, that's every umpire's initials, isn't it? White maggot. Yeah. <laughs> isn't, isn't that all of them? I'll tell you. Uh, because he's. I've got it here on the um, on the site. It'll come up here. It's one of the top stories of the day, so it'll be at the top here. Uh, money trail that possibly exposed Great Brown. I know. Umpire entangled. His initials... Well, maybe I'll tell you. Umpire entangled, haven't <laughs> His initials are MP. So he's been questioned uh, by the Sports Corruption have Police. You heard of, had, you, had you heard of him before? No, it's his first year in the in uh, in senior level yeah, I don't football. Think he's a, I don't think he's a big one. No, it's his first year in senior level football. Um, but I, I just, you know, with, after the Clarkson and, uh, and Fagan and all that stuff where we've gone through this thing where they were thrown underneath every bus you could possibly get in semi-trailers and, and, you know, whatever you could find. Throw them all under the bus there and just say, all these allegations, here we go. Um, uh, and now we name this bloke and not the other three. I'd- we we shouldn't name anybody well, until the investigation is finished. You can say there's an investigation. But, you know, the, the thing with Hawthorne, you know, um, Fagan and Clarkson. It I, know, you know- I, know who, I know who it is, MP. Malpractice. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's mal. But, yeah, he's a shocking by mal. You know, it's up to them to prove themselves innocent, and I hate that. I just think, go and do your inquiry, and then when it's all set, set, all the dust is settled, then let the press know about it because it's just it the mud sticks, even if you're innocent. And I just think that's really unfair. You know, you're innocent until proven guilty, and and with these sort of sport things. It's just bang. Oh, I get it. break. It's an umpire for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I'm an umpire. <laughs> no, but you're right, Brian. I agree with you. I agree. I, it's incredibly unfair. Um, it's yeah. I just I don't understand why there's this um, need for everyone to have to do these things. Oh no, it's it's fun. How do it is? You know. I mean, people want to. I know people want to know, but you don't have to necessarily. Um, Feed people everything that they want. Well, you know, we if, it, if, like- it, if it diverts the course of justice from being able to be done properly. You know but what some- I don't like? Brussels sprouts. 
No, actually, this is going to have them for dinner, but ran out of time. Mm. Um, I love Brussels sprouts. Um, oh. You're the one. I don't like the fact. I don't. Why on earth does this attract criminal charges? Uh, oh, okay, the the AFL can the A what to protect bookmakers? They can go f- themselves. They're the greatest cheats <laughs> of all time. They've been, they've Correct. Been, so so why 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 don't bookmakers over the course of history get prosecuted? Because and I know as a fact that there were bookmakers a number of times who leaked a completely um, intentionally incorrect information about Brownlow's in the one or two weeks beforehand. They did it on purpose. Yeah. Uh, Billy Bloggs is going to win it, so there's a massive um, – Oh, so Terry Wallace was the biggest plunge of all time. He got no votes. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? He was. So – so what 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 law have have they broken? Now the look, this umpire, if there's an AFL investigation, he'll never umpire again. Fair yeah. enough. Yep. Correct. What are there special laws now to protect bookmakers who bet on the Brownlow? That's ridiculous. Well, it's an integrity issue, so I I'm assuming that they well All right, so it's the AFL's integrity and they can you know, they can come up with a better system or they can sack the bloke or whatever, but why are the police involved? Well the what it's saying in this story, and I'm only reading from this story, um, that the umpire and the other uh, the other blokes involved in this were questioned by the Sports Corruption Police over alleged Brownlow vote leaking um, and suspicious Brownlow medal betting. So I'm assuming you, that somewhere you know in I all this, there's there's some sort of <laughs> yeah, what that Patrick Cripps won the Brownlow. <laughs> no. Oh well, I'm you know. I tipped him to win the Norm Smith, but anyhow, because <laughs> uh, if he could win the Brownlow, why couldn't he win the Norm Smith? Yeah. Anyhow, his so, team his team probably had to be in the final, but never mind. Oh well, he he got off that bloody <laughs> the fact that he got off that report means he could have could have still yeah. won the Norm Smith from yeah. where I was sitting. Yeah, correct. Um, so I've got one question coming out of this now. Yep. How much a year does a, does a sports Corruption police officer in because I reckon he's just done his first thing for the year. What do they do? Just sit in an office, and then late November, mid November, I think we have to interview somebody. That's the first <laughs> thing they've done. Besides, besides playing Uno. So, I mean, so it's, uh, this is the the explanation they're talking about the umpire in this story. The thirty two year old was interviewed in relation to allegations he engaged in conduct that corrupts or would corrupt. A betting outcome. Oh no, the poor bookies. Oh dear me. It quizzed in relation to the offence of using corrupt conduct information for betting purposes. Sounds like. And and how about the three guys that got that information? They're being charged as well, so you're not allowed to get a tip anymore. Well, that's. I suppose. I suppose what this is, in a way, is. The football version of insider trading is the nearest thing I can think that it would be close to. So or you've given the football you've gi- version of a trainer saying that I've set this horse to win this race and telling the owner. Yeah, which is the basis on which bookmakers exist. Yep, yep. Uh, speaking of that, I don't know. But if we I'm... have to protect these bookmakers, oh, yeah, like well, these, these giant sports bookies. I mean, heaven forbid. Uh, what would happen if you know 
I mean, I, I imagine that something like eight or nine hundred dollars was ripped out of the system because of this. Because <laughs> there's certainly no great plunge on Cribs. In fact, he was the greatest drifter of all time. Yeah. So, but you know, we do need to set up a police department to protect these. That you know, it's it's. Shouldn't they be important. paying for that? I know, I know it's sports corruption, as in all sports, but. If it's just to protect the betting part of it, shouldn't sports corruption? It's like you know, <laughs> military intelligence. Um, what's going? What's going on here? It's one of the great oxymorons of all time, obviously. But it's, but it's just ridiculous. We need a we need a police department set up to protect bookmakers. Can I ask you, Brian? Because you work well, for one of the big major sports bet yep. sports bet companies for for what eight or nine years or something, didn't you? Seven and a half, yeah. Was that was the and I, and I I don't want you to compromise any you know thing that you might have uh, heard mm. but but was that an issue internally inside the sports betting company that you worked for or the people that you were around that they were worried about that sort of stuff? Um, well, they have to give a list to the AFL of everybody. The AFL can go through who's betting with them and yep. check all of that. So. Um, that but um look my department we we just did marketing so you know it wasn't really my area to worry about that but look from what i could see um it was all done very you know because it was too big a company to be doing dodgy stuff yeah um maybe you know a smaller company can but it was just too big you know we had three and a half i think they got five floors now um there were so many people working there and you know no, I, I, you know, my my problem, if I've got a problem with bookmakers, is that I, I soon became aware that um, gambling probably ruins more lives and more families than um, heroin does. Yeah, and and there's a lot of people that have really bad opinions. You know, not just funny, but you know, I'd try to hire an actor to do an ad, and then they'd find out what it was for, and said, "No, I won't do it." Yeah. Um, you know, and I just thought actors would just do any job because, you know, that's what I'm like. But, um, no, I, I, I think it was all – at Sportsbet, it was all run pretty much on the up and up and, um, you know, uh, and they were very conscious of, um, you know, being investigated and having to, you know, uh, be forthwith with whatever information was required. So, um, from my understanding, um, it was all run very legit. Yeah. It's interesting because I know because I work for, um, well, I don't anymore work for an AFL club, uh, but I have previously. Um, but because I work for a VFL club, which is AFL, um, you know, affiliated and all that sort of stuff, um, I have to sign a deck, a stat deck. Every, oh, it's not a stat deck; it's whatever it is. Um, every year about uh, about the, which just says that I understand that I won't gamble on uh, or place any bets on any football related. Um, option, whatever. So we first goal, last goal, Brownlow medal, anything. I'm not allowed to bet. Even though I'm not an, at an AFL club, I'm at a VFL club, I'm yep. not allowed to bet on anything to do with the AFL. And if I do, the club will get a letter um, uh, asking uh, with a please – I don't even think it's a please explain. It's a, hang on, we're going to deregister this bloke and he won't be able to work at your footy club. Well, you did sign the stiff dick. So, the stiff dick, yeah. 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 That's the but, South African uh, version of it. I've got to stuff it up here for you to say, Brian. Can you do that for me now? The main, the main thing that there is a 
police department, a police division set up to protect the bookies. What? Where's the um, the government corruption police? Why? Why aren't they? <laughs> they're because you know, there's also there's also the there's also that very important police department mm-hmm. looking after the rights and. And making sure that nothing happens to fortune tellers and palm readers. Mm, yeah, who? Which? Which? Uh, which department's that, Finney? The horoscope integrity unit. <laughs> <laughs> because we can't take advantage of people who write horoscopes. It's very <laughs> it's important. Fair yeah. enough, too. Bloody eyes. We need to look after them. Bloody eyes. I'm with you. Yeah, absolutely with you there. Um, yeah. So th- there you go. That's that's what's been happening this week around the traps. So. Let's get to the and chart. And my fortieth school reunion. Oh, yeah. how'd that go? You had it. Yeah, last night. How'd you go? Well, I was I was the only one in the school photo. We they we you know they got a photographer to redo the the photo yep. to take a photo of us all. So I stuck a cigarette in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus, you're hopeless. Um, but. Uh, you know, so yeah, in the good. same spot you were in the school photo of that year? Oh, no, no, we no. were just all gathered around. Oh, okay. But it's funny how you go to a reunion 40 years on and a lot of people went and everybody's in their same little groups. Oh, really? That they were at school, basically. Oh, God. No, really? I find when I go to a reunion, because um, my little groups from school, I see them all the time anyway. But um, it's the people, the other people I'm really keen to catch up with. Um, the, one, the ones you don't recognise so much? Well, yeah, some of them you so don't So you're sure you're going to the right reunion? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, but there's, there's just certain people that it's like, oh, yeah, he was a good bloke and I haven't seen him for ages. And, you know, I'll gravitate towards, you know, the people that I don't get to see a lot. You know, if Lucky Phil's there, well, I see him every day, so I'm not going to, you know, spend the but whole day. No, I will, but, you know, we'll spend time with the other people. No, you'll hunt as but, a pair and go around and terrorise everybody. That's what you two no, but people do. Will, there's no <laughs> doubt, Brian, let's not downplay this because, you know, people say, oh, it's our school reunion. Brian Mannix was in our class. Oh, there would have been a fair said, amount of Mark Fine was in our class, I would have thought. No. Um, you know what they do like? They did point out that every every – because it's every 10 years you have a reunion – that every 10 years I'm doing something completely different. Oh, right. So 10 years ago you were in radio. What were you doing the yeah, 10 yeah. years before that? Would have been 2002. Um, yeah, I was, I was working for an automotive company, I think. Yeah. And the 10 years before that in 1992, what were you doing, five at Pentridge? I was going to say <laughs> five with three on the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't isn't that how they say it? Then yes. you know somebody's really been what do you got? Seven with five on the bottom or five <laughs> with seven on top. Um yeah, the ten year reunion before that I didn't go to, but um I was overseas, but I was yeah, just sowing me wild oats still. Yet you yet to you, be tamed. Do you get that when you go to yours, Brian? That finally said, do you get the oh, Brian Manning's the next? No, 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 I think. Um, or the opposite, do you get the uh, f- off Mannix? Oh, uh, I think, um, you know, they're just my mates from school, and you know, they might ask me a little bit about what I'm doing or something, or say, oh, I saw your dance with the stars or something like that, but right. um, but it's not about that, and um, 
yeah, I, I don't, they don't hold me in awe at all. It's just like, oh, yeah, his manner. And and I like that, you know. Yeah. You know, my, my pub in Skyways, they couldn't give a shit about, you know, what I do. I'm just a bloke that comes to the pub. And that always makes me feel very comfortable. Yeah, good. So I you know what the, the quote of the night was? So I won't name the bloke, but he's a very funny bloke. <laughs> I said to him, I said to him, yeah, you know, we just took talking and having a drink or whatever. And I said, um, something along the lines of, it's not a bad night, is it? And he goes, ah, oh, it's all right. I'm looking forward to next year more. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, don't you remember? I failed. <laughs> <laughs> failed. <laughs> he failed form four. So he goes to two reunions. <laughs> I said, it's like, a, I said, it's brilliant. It's like you've got back to back premiership. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a very good way of looking at it. Uh, now let's move on to our chart from 1964 from 6PR in Perth uh, and it includes a song that starts with this lyric. This is how times have changed as we sit here in 2022. But back in 1964, there once was an Indian brave by the name of Yellow Hand. He fell in love with a maiden known as White Sands. They vowed their love would last forevermore. Then came the day that they waited for. Yellow Hand bought her a golden feather. Not unusual. Thank you, bastard. <laughs> I think we're back to the porn films that Fanny was watching at the start. Yeah, he's, he's, he's pissed all over his hand. That's why Yellow, yellow hand, hand. And now he's tickling her with a feather, dirty bird. White Sand said a prayer for good weather. The ceremonial dance grew loud and strong. Then Yellow Hand began their wedding song. Tonight, tonight will be the one. We'll walk in the land of the midnight sun. Oh, White Sands, come hold my lonely hand. Oh, I don't think his I think, hand's been too lonely at I all, the actually. Screen, the screen now fades to black and your imagination will take over because Roy Orbison's finished singing the Indian love song. Oh, God, Roy, what happened? <laughs> So that's what we're dealing with here. That's that's the that's the standard of the uh, the fair on offer. Mm. Okay. Didn't make it into my bad three, but geez, it went close that one. <clears throat> okay. Or old Roy struggles a bit. Righto, Finey, nineteen sixty four. All righty. All right. Uh, my number three bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, what in the? F- I don't want to swear. I really don't want to swear. Maybe a bit late for that too, because I think at the twelfth minute, Mark Steve put seventeen beeps in the show. Yeah, possibly something to do with Donald Trump. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I haven't I haven't sworn at all this week. I heard last week's show. I thought I'd better pull back on the swearing, but I was impersonating my mate, and he swears a lot. So, <laughs> yes. but um, yeah, but no, I haven't said anything swear wordish yet. Mm. Good for you. I, I haven't kept oh. an account, but yeah, go on. Okay. Imagine, how can I put this, all right? It's like you occasionally see this, right? It's It'll be like race number two at Donald the Maiden and they'll cross to whoever's calling. And Interesting runner here, number 11. It's not in the market. Madam Walina, this is her third start. She's an 11-year-old mare. She hasn't started for seven years. <laughs> you know, occasionally you, you hear that story. Yeah. Yep. And you think, what, what What are the owners doing? Yep. They just spelled it for seven years. What's going on? So this this 
Bird Millie oh, sings this song, Sweet William. I don't uh, know if anything happens with it. Then eight years later, she changes nine words and releases My Boy Lollipop. I mean, she really must have been stewing for those eight years. Oh, I could have got, we could have made a fortune. I told you not to say Sweet William. I told you to call it. <laughs> and finally they re-released it and had a hit eight years later. With it. I mean, when you hear Sweet William, you think that's My Boy Lollipop. Why, don't, why weren't they sued or... But then you realise it's the same person, so yep. you can't really see yourself, can you? Millie Small was her name. Yeah. Uh, yes, a most interesting yeah. song. It is exactly my, sweet my boy William, uh, Yeah. It's the same song. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I listened to that expecting this could be a stinker, and then I heard it say, oh, this is my boy Lollipop kind of, and, yeah, it's not the worst thing I've ever heard, but Sweet William possibly is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, weird yeah, song. Really weird. Yep. Anyway, at number three, I'm going to have to put in, I, I really do put Elvis in. Oh. You know, and I do love the title of his hit at number 40, but I'm not putting that in. Come on, everybody. Yeah, only he could come on, everybody. But yeah. You sounded like yellow hands then, Kev. <laughs> but, I mean... <laughs> To put it more, to put it bluntly, Viva Las Vegas is one of the great songs of all time. Yes, yeah. not going to get any argument. I don't think from uh, uh, the rock star on that one. Oh, I it's a thought. brilliant song. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm apologising that I'm putting it in three, but yeah. Anyway, Viva Las Vegas, Mister Mannix. Well, I'm glad to finally put Viva Las Vegas in because now I don't have to because I've got I've got five good songs. So Viva really? Sins. Yeah, I do. Oh. Um, and I'm going to – I think this is a really good song um, and I think it's an important – or this artist is an important part of rock and roll history. And um, so I'm going for number 10, Chuck Berry, No Particular Place to Go. Uh, it's a great song and um, influenced many, many, many songs. Chuck Berry influenced many, 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 many artists and songs that came out afterwards and um, – I think no particular place to go. It's a great idea, you know, like, you know, when you're hanging around in your teenagers, you go, I oh, know what we do, we'll just go hang out at the milk bar, you know, whatever. But I just thought it sort of really captures teenage sort of, you know, yeah, it's good. Yep. So that's my number th- three, good. I think it's actually a timeless song. Even though it, even though it's, yeah. it sounds like a 60s song, it is timeless in its what it captures for, the, for that moment is actually lived. Yeah, he writes. He always oh, wrote really yeah. good lyrics, yeah, and um, and my number Except three. My bad. dingaling, <laughs> sorry, my dingaling was not a great lyric. It was a great song, of course, and a great lyric. Yeah, well, it was a nice party piece that. Yeah, you know, that as a as a twelve year old, I just thought it was fantastic. <laughs> but but anyway, oh, my number three bad. Yeah. and this guy has got some really good songs. He's written some great pop songs along the way. This isn't one of them. Uh, it's number 34, 34. Lips Are Redder On You oh, yeah. by Gene Pitney. It's, um, it's a shit idea. It's really bubblegum and saccharine. And, yeah, I, I, you know, it's not Gene Pitney's greatest work. And uh, so that's my number three bad. Even his, um, you know, distinctive uh, voice couldn't save that song. Just a- well, he, sounds like, he sounds like a girl in some songs. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. 
Well, there was a lot of Steph. people who thought he was a girl because Jean, being a, a kind of bi- – would I say now it's a binary name? Um, God, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, Brian. Let me, let me use binary in a sentence. I haven't done it up until now. Uh, I've got nonlinear sexuality. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. Now, my number three, bad – uh, and this is a song I was talking about before. Jody Miller sang it. It's They Call My Guy a Tiger. And it, oh. it, it sounds like a bullfighting song halfway through when she starts, that, that whole drum thing. And then they call yep. my guy a tiger. And then she breaks into this kind of almost Tiny Tim uh, voice where she goes, you know, he's a kitten in my hands, kitten oh. in my hands. And then goes back into the of the bullfighting music and they call my guy a tiger and she booms it. She really has got a big booming voice, but then she turns to this little kind of tiny Tim in the middle. So um, Jody Miller gets that and she actually was a very good singer, but not a song that I was terribly fond of. Uh, you gazumped me with that one. Oh, um, sorry. Uh, yeah, I thought the, the music at the start sounds like – it sounds like a, a – a bonanza western yeah, or something, yeah, and and then it turns into like musical theatre with the little light voice. So yeah, this is all over the place, like a mad woman's shit. <laughs> it is, and Jody Miller may well have have been one of those and done one of those, for all I know. Uh, well, I, no, it doesn't matter. Go, move on. <laughs> and then my number three good is Ragdoll by the Four Seasons because I love the Four Seasons. Um, Always have, always, uh, so many of their songs I love, Opus 17 and all that stuff that was in Jersey Boys I just thought was fantastic. Love Frankie Valli's um, stuff on his own as well. Um, can't take my eyes off you and my eyes adore you all that. Just think he's got a great voice, really distinctive, unique, and the harmonies and all that stuff they had going on, I just thought the four seasons were terrific. So Ragdoll's my number three good. Funny. Okay, so my number... Too good. Oh, yeah. Look, just because I've heard it so often or whatever, and just because the real aficionados will probably say, oh, no, not one of their best. Mm -hmm. I love a hard day's night. Yes. And I'm putting that in at number two. I don't, I don't care that it's obvious. To me, it's just obviously one a great song by one, maybe the greatest band, so why not? Yep. It's up again. No arguments from uh, anybody here. Did you have it at your number two, Brian, or you've got it higher no, than that? No, I've got it at my – I've got it higher than number okay. two. Okay. We'll get to that Sorry shortly. about that. Yeah, no, that's all right. I knew there'd be a little bit of that with this one because there's just yeah. some songs in there you just go – and I didn't put Hard Day's Night in my top three because um, I don't – I like it, but I don't – rate. I rate – and there's a couple other songs I rate a bit higher. But All right, so your number two, Bad, to go with Sweet William. All right, so I've been gazumped, obviously. This this this, this song, this, this incredible rubbish they call my guy a tiger, <laughs> I actually thought might be one of those rare – multi-million dollar collectibles. You know, occasionally they famously did a misprint of some stamps in America, the upside-down aeroplane and the stamps yep. worth like a million dollars. Yep. 
or there was a 1930 penny or something here that they yeah there was on. yeah and I thought oh my god the record company has printed two songs on the one record. <laughs> Song number one is like the the B side to the theme to the Avengers or something like some bad background music from from a nineteen sixties. What was that one with Mister P- Mrs Peel and Mister Peel and the Avengers? Yeah, the Avengers. Is that the Avengers? Yeah, this sounds like. This, yeah, yeah. This sounds like the the B side to their theme. Like it's the, it's a soundtrack from one of the bad episodes. <laughs> and they printed that by mistake. And then on top of it, they printed another song, which was some yeah. demo by some fucking hopeless woman singing in two completely different <laughs> r- ranges. Like I could sing like this. <laughs> I could sing like this. And they released it, and it was worth a million dollars. I don't know. Is that true? <laughs> well, could be, could be. It's a plausible, it's a very plausible theme. I, I would have thought. Um, well, we we all concur on that. Uh, they call my guy a tiger. Has been she's got, right she's got there. a clean sweep there. She yes. That doesn't that doesn't happen very often. No, it's not often you get them in all three. So, Brian, your number two bad obviously is uh, they call my uh, guy a tiger. That's it, yes, uh, Jody, Jody Miller. Yep. And my number two good is um, number 37. 37. It's all over now. Oh, gazumped. It's all over now by the Rolling Stones. Um, it's a good little story they tell. It's it's rocking. It's 60s sort of pop. But, um, no, I think it's, it's um, you know, probably if I had to pick 20 of the best Rolling Stones songs, it could probably – Make the uh, make my top twenty. Yeah, go close for me too. It's my number two as well. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, it's a good song. Just good song. Uh, yeah, good know. vibe. Yeah, good good guitar playing. Um, uh, stands out when you when you go through all the songs that are in this chart and you have a listen to them. You go, no, come back to the Stones is one of the best ones all every time. So mm. uh, that's my number two good as well. And my number two bad. Uh, oh yeah, it is. Um, and I hope I don't gazump you because I know you don't like this bloke, uh, Finey, but uh, my number two bad is Constantly by Cliff Richard um, because it's one of those songs where they got the big, boomy echo sound on the vocal, that ooh sound on the vocal, and Cliff sings this really – it's it's not impassioned, but it's this real kind of sincere, constantly. Um, and it, uh, it's just a, it's a song that goes nowhere. Um, except it annoys you after a little while, and but he's so, you know, um, heartfelt in the way that he sings it that I'm sure girls were, you know, wetting their pants over it uh, back in 1964. But uh, in 2022, I'm certainly not wetting my pants over Cliff at all. He gets my number two bad. Mm. Well done. Now, if you can stop wetting your pants over Cliff Richard, finally give us – your number one so far, we have Viva Las Vegas by Elvis and Hard Day's Night by the Beatles. This is going to be a ripping th- three play. Uh, and the bads are Sweet William by Millie and uh, They Call My Guy a Tiger by Jody Miller. What's on the top? All right. So, my number three, my number one bad, even though just a, a special comment, it's only my three worst. It's supposed to be like the, the most revolutionary song of all time. I've never found rock around the clock anything but f***ing annoying, but I'm not putting it in. Mm, I agree with you. One o'clock, you know, I mean, 
What did that revolutionise? Sesame uh, Street teaching kids how to tell the tale. I, I don't like that song, never did. I mean, mm. when was it first released? 56 or something like yeah, that, 55. Something like that. Yeah. It, it is one of the very first rock and roll songs. I'm saying so in 56, I give it a, a, a high rating. In 64, it, it's so obsolete already. It, yeah. must have, it must have been charting because of a, 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 obviously a film or something, I would have thought at that time. That's usually what happened with those songs. Yeah, well, they made a film called Rock Around the Clock, so yeah. that might be. Yeah, that probably, might yeah. be. Not the porno cock around the block. <laughs> oh, dear. There's a few cocks around the block if you watch this season. Anyhow, I don't know who Bill and Boyd are. Oh, oh yeah, yes, yeah, you do. But Bill and Ben took great offence at the confusion. Yeah. <laughs> at least Bill and Ben, they should have released a single. Little weed, little weed. No, 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 no. I mean, that is much better than Chulu Chululu. Chulu Chululu. Chulu Chulu. Yeah. Yeah, Bill and Boy with the New Zealand duo came over to Australia and they were very successful. At what? That doll fraud? They were good at putting another log on the fire. That's one of them. Bacon and some beans. Yeah. Chulu Chululu is what you, you can just do the tune to it. That's it. So, given that it's the most basic tune that's that's been sung a million times, all they could come up with is Chulu Chululu. I mean, are they illiterate? But then again, well, they're, I New that they're New Zealanders. Yeah. There you go. You know, I mean. Chulu, Chululu. Thank mm. God there's not another word in the title or a big Chululu. Yeah, we've had a few, haven't we, lately? We're da, 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 and bloody do, 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 and da, da, run in the last couple of weeks, and now we've and, had this and one. And let's, let's not forget Susu Studio, which is also a uh, totally shit lyric. Mm. Yep. Speaking of totally shit songs, by the way, mm. <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh during the week when I went to the dunny and had a floater. Now, <laughs> I looked down and I said, little fella, you had a hit back in the day. <laughs> but that was last week. Anyhow, yeah. Chulu Chululu, I'm sorry to gazump you, but. No, no, you, know. no, you haven't gazumped no. mine. It's not in mine. That's not no, if I gazump Brian, I'm sorry. That's all right. That's all right. It's- What's your number one good, Fanny? I mean. They only lose a few points because they took themselves way too seriously. But bit of a classic. Again, I'm not embarrassed that I've heard it 40 million times. The Animals, House of the Rising Sun. Yeah, I knew one of us mm. had put that one in somewhere. Mm. Yeah, they did, walk around, they did walk around like they had just discovered the meaning of life, you know. Yeah. How seriously do they take themselves that bad? It was, yeah, very much so. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, we're cool. We're good looking. Don't dare f- look at us because we're better than you. But anyhow, and, and we're singing about a brothel. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's and it's not their song. It's a song from the thirties, isn't it? Yeah, it's a blue, oh, really? I think it's a blues classic. Huh. Right, Mr. Mannix. Now we know your number one is "Hard Day's Night" by the Beatles. So you want to tell us why? Yes. Ah, uh, because the energy of the song. Um, I think it's a good lyric. Um, but one of the things I really like about it, I saw on YouTube, you know that opening chord, it goes, 
Dring, mm-hmm. it's been a hard. That chord, this bloke showed you how you make that sound. And it's about five or six really unusual chords all stacked on top of each other with one note. Um, if you look it up on YouTube, you can see, you know, it just sounds like one guitar going dring, but it's not. It's five different chords all being played at the same time to create this wonderful sound at the start. So did George Martin do that? I think George might have had something to do with it, yeah. And when they recorded it, like if you listen to this song, there's a real lot of energy. The band's obviously, you know, they're digging it. And the reason they are is because a whole lot of the groupies from out the front, they got into Abbey Road and they're running around Abbey Road screaming, John, Paul, George. And so they kind of like, oh, the girls are here. So they it fired them up a little bit more and they, they just played with a little bit more energy than some of their other tracks. But, oh, okay. um, yeah, and A Hard Day's Night, of course, is Ringo would say shit that just didn't quite make sense. You know, they've been working on, I think, probably the movie and um, just, oh, fellas, it's been a hard day's night. And it's wrong what he said, but they go, hey, that's good, that is. So the actual title is from something that Ringo said oh, okay. when he was died. Yeah. And Chulu Chulula, well, just I don't believe how much reverb Bill and Boyd have on their voice. It sounds like they're down a well or something. But um, So yeah. that is your number one band as well, is it? Yeah, Chulu oh, Chulula, okay. easily okay. number one, and Hard Day's Night, easily number one. All right. Well, I've got a Beatles song at number one, but it's not Hard Day's Night. It's the other one in this chart. It's The Things We Said Today. 28, I had that down, yeah. I, I, I don't know why this song, or I always loved it. From the first time I heard it, I thought, gee, that's a good song. And I just, it was one yeah. of those ones that was always played on the um, the animated um, cartoon series that was done. It was yeah, one, yeah. one of those songs that was always in that. That's um, funny because A Hard Day's Night is the opening song to that cartoon. Is it? I can't remember. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you're, oh, you're probably right. Um, and I used to watch that all the time. Um, and this one wasn't flogged to death on the radio like A Hard Day's Night was a- and since, um, like in that that sort of late part of the 60s, early 70s when I was really getting into music at a million miles an hour um, just before I got into radio, uh, they played a lot of Beatles stuff. Um, and Things We Said Today was one that was played a lot, so it was one I gravitated to off the album more so than the other stuff, um, given that the first album I ever bought was Sgt Pepper's, but um, I went back and discovered, obviously, all the album track stuff on the earlier Beatles stuff, and that, I, I love Things We Said Today. I think it's a great song. Uh, and yep. my number one bad is a mob called The Four Pennies. Well, they're a, they're a couple of uh, dollars short of a, a full uh, full wallet like this mob. Juliet... They're not worth two cents? They're not worth two cents. Uh, the <laughs> the four pennies, seriously, should have been, you know, drowned at birth, to be honest, because it's just a it's a mournful, dreadful song. When you, <laughs> when you watch the film clip, they put up all these album covers of the albums that the four pennies did, and it's like the four pennies, rockin' version, and they do a version of Do Wah Diddy and Do Do Ron Ron and all that. And so the, I don't know whether they were a religious group or what they were, but – by geez, they were a sandwich short of a picnic lunch uh, as far as delivering with their their music. What so. was it? What was it called again, Kev? Juliet by the Four oh. Pennies. 
Right. And okay. it is it is a bloody awful song. There's okay. no, another song in the in the top forty, just like Romeo and Juliet, which was the song the Mentals did a version of a few years ago. Some there's some classic old songs in in that chart. Poison Ivy by Thorpey. I, I mm. agonised over trying to fit that in. Um, uh, yeah, there's some Wishing and Hoping by Dusty Springfield's a really good song. Um, I think I think uh, Poison Ivy loses a few points for You're Gonna Need an Ocean dun, 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 of Calamine Lotion. <laughs> it's like, eh, kind of not really poetic enough there, Billy, but anyway. Yeah, it sounded like a commercial, didn't it? When you th- when you hear it now, you think, <laughs> oh, did he? Did someone pay him to put that in there? Anyway. Calamine Lotion gave him heaps, I'd imagine. Well, you would have thought so. Uh, thanks for the feedback for the people who jumped on uh, the Facebook and Twitters. And uh, John Pappas said, Viva Las Vegas, Hard Day's Night, and My Guy uh, was his mm-hmm. three goodies. They call me uh, My Guy a Tiger. I'll Touch a Star and Chalulu, Chalulu, Lulu, were his bad ones. Steve Cameron, Hard Day's Night, Viva Las Vegas, and House of the Rising Sun is good. That's my trio. Yeah, there you go. And the worst were Yesterday's Gone by Stuart and Clyde, which is uh, Clyde and uh, Jeremy, uh, which is an ordinary song. I'll Touch a Star by Terry Stafford and Bill and Boyd get a Guernsey there. Uh, Jan said, My Guy, You're My World and A Hard Day's Night with a Good and House of the Rising Sun and Wishing and Hoping in Her Bad. So I don't know what you're on, Ooh. but that's not good. So thanks for jumping yeah. on, the, uh, on the We're all pretty much media. on the same page, though, you know, with all those people. They're pretty much yeah. summed up what we did, too. We are like-minded human beings, Brian. Well, of now, course now, we are. Now, gentlemen, mm-hmm. I have some information about the Beatles cartoon because it was from 1964 around this time. Oh, was it? Okay. First of all, do you know who played the voices of the four Beatles? None of the Beatles. Correct. I reckon it's probably someone we know, but it's someone like Peter Cook or John no, Cleese. Or... No, they're all Americans. Oh, really? But US actor Paul Freese, or at least um, any Paul Freese. Yeah, he did the voice of... John and George, oh. right? He, have a guess, but he was more famous as the voice of somebody else in another cartoon. He was the voice of Boris Badenoff. Oh, Natasha, Boris and Natasha. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. I love Boris and Natasha. Actually, the guy that did the Batman cartoon voices died this week too. There's another one for the Black Army. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, been doing it for, I don't know, 15 years. A lot of people are very upset because they really like that cartoon. Okay. So who, well, did, who did the voice of Ringo for the Beatles thing? Was it Thomas the Tank Engine? Uh, Lance Percival. Lance Percival. I say I'm Lance Percival <laughs> and I'm here to do Ringo. <laughs> he might have been British. Um, and the opening theme yeah. was a riff, a guitar riff from A Hard Day's Night segueing into Can't Buy Me Lunch. Ah, yeah. Come on, me love, yeah, come on. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I haven't seen that for so long. God. And, um, yeah, it ran for a season and a half until the episode where it was pulled from TV because of the episode where they showed Paul bumming Ringo. What is- that was one of the best episodes. <laughs> the episode was Can Buy Me Love. And <laughs> and a hard day's night. <laughs> with a bit of, of come together chucked in just to the Oh, study. all right. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, oh, you're a beauty, Brian. <laughs> yeah, why don't we do it in the road? 
goodness me. Um, all right. Well, that uh, that uh, finishes off another exciting edition of uh, Rock and Roll. Thank you, boys. We're, the start, we're, the start of this program was so bizarre. Now that I think back to an hour ago when this started, it one of the more bizarre starts to an episode I think we've ever done. Good. So I guess just the final thing on the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Have a guess where it was made. Well, we American Voices. Yeah. Um, Burbank. Prob- well, probably uh, like Marine Boy, it's probably made in Japan. Most of the episodes of the series were produced by our Tanza Park Studios in Sydney, New South Wales. Get out of here. Really? Yep. I didn't think we were any good at cartoons. Handful of episodes were made in Hollywood. Wow. How, how, come, how come that's not a fact that, that you know, someone like me and, and you, Brian, who are mad Beatles fans who watched yeah. all that stuff, how do we not know that? You could have picked up that a lot of the background scenery was Australia. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, that's, oh, and I never knew. I'm going to look that up now. I wonder if there's anyone around who was involved in that. Actually, I reckon there might be a kangaroo in one episode, but I could be wrong. Oh, what we do here, George? We got a kangaroo over here. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah, Paul. Oh yeah, that's a kangaroo. <laughs> I wouldn't go too close, fellas. Ooh, why not, John? Oh, hello. That's right. That's a kangaroo. Oh yeah, George. <laughs> we can do. We could. We could do a reenactment. You two do the voices of the four Beatles, and I'll do. I'll be the narrator. You can be oh, Skippy. Skippy. Oh, thanks. <laughs> they, I get the, oh, right. I get that. So so when yeah, I do this, Brian, uh, the, what does Ringo say to Skippy when Skippy goes? Uh, Skippy oh. goes. Skippy goes like this. Skippy goes. Hey, fellas, I've just had an idea for a tune. <laughs> it's, called, it's called Octopus's Garden. <laughs> The kangaroo Good idea, inspired Skippy. me. <laughs> Good idea, Skippy. Uh, What's that, Skip? <laughs> What's that, Skip? George is trapped at the old mill. Lead us the way. <laughs> uh, thank you, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure as always, and we'll we'll work uh, to work in progress. Our Beatles cartoon. We'll we'll get to that. Skippy meets the Beatles. Above the barn and ourselves, I hope we pass the audition. <laughs> you and the cheap seat just shake your jewellery. Uh, <laughs> thank you, gentlemen. Good night and uh, God bless. Good night. You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs>